Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I uh, hope you guys have been loving the many incredible guests that we've had on the podcast, um, specifically in the last few months. I mean, all year, really. Uh, it's just been so much fun for me. I love the people that I get to connect with. Um, and we've just really been feeling very aligned with highlighting other people, having other voices come on the podcast. Um, and you know, I love doing the occasional solo episode, but for whatever reason, this is what's feeling just, I don't know. So aligned for me right now is getting to talk to people, uh, who really view and build their business the same way that I do, the same way that you do, who really understand what it means to be an aligned entrepreneur. Today's guest was certainly no exception. Um, his name is Ben Easter, and he is the founder and head coach at Lucid Shift Coaching, where he helps freedom seekers to develop the resources, strategies, and mindsets they need to build authentic businesses so that they can experience more meaning, fulfillment, and impact. And I think, you know, I, everything Ben said, I was like, he, he really approaches business and views business the same way that I do in terms of just his understanding of, you know, manifestation, quantum physics, rewiring your subconscious, um, really understanding the way that our brains work. Uh, his approach was just something that hits so home to me. And I, don't see enough men in this space. I'm sure that there are many, but I know that there are thousands and thousands of women, female coaches, which is wonderful. I don't think there's no such thing as, you know, oversaturated. I just think that there's more and more people every single day deciding to build aligned businesses for themselves. Uh, but to, to meet a man in the space who is just so in tune with these things, who's helping clients in this way, who's really understands what it means to lead with your own alignment, to build confidence, to get belief and conviction behind what it is that you're offering, knowing that that's the thing that's ultimately going to decide the outcome, you know, of what it is that you're doing in your business. It was just, it was just awesome for me. <laughs> um, I just really enjoyed my conversation with him. So many golden nuggets and uh, excited to share it with you guys. So without further ado, here is my interview with Ben Easter. You're listening to the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Saunders. I'm a business and manifestation mentor for modern entrepreneurs who know that deep down, there's a better, smarter, and easier way to manifest the next level success they desire. On this podcast, we explore a very different approach to growing your business and income quickly, and it has nothing to do with hustling hard or discovering the perfect marketing strategy. By understanding the power of my thoughts and training myself to think in energetic alignment with the reality that I desired, I went from teacher to 20 and $30,000 months in just two years in my online business. If there's one thing I know to be true, it's that we're each vastly capable of creating hugely successful businesses that light us up and set us free. I'm here to share with you the knowledge and strategies needed to manifest the success you want. I truly believe that you can become, create, and achieve anything you desire, and it's just a matter of changing your thoughts in order to change your life. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I have a special guest here today. His name is Ben. Hello, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. It's nice to be here, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. We were chatting just a little bit before we started recording, and I can already tell that you are our people. <laughs> <laughs> Alignment. 
<laughs> Align, yeah, alignment, exactly. One word. Um, so I've given our audience a little bit of a rundown about just the big things that you are up to in the world, in the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space. But I was wondering if you could give us your nutshell introduction, who you are and what it is that you do as an entrepreneur. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, in a nutshell, I spent, you know, in college, I had a head injury and it drew me on this path of like understanding how my brain works and trying to recover from this big, long event. And uh, basically, while that was going on, I went through, uh, this is now my seventh business and uh, they, they've been successful wow. throughout, but the, but really they weren't the ones that I loved. What I really like uh, is finding that alignment, you know, that piece where it's like, I kind of think yeah. of business as being sort of a trail of breadcrumbs where you can find ever more alignment with what you're doing. And this one, I finally found the one where it's like, I wake up every morning, my heart's singing. Yeah. And, you know, my, my clients are texting. I wake up to texts from clients saying, thank you so much. You know, it's amazing. So it's like really the, the, the icky guy, I think for me. I love that. And, uh, what could you just let us, uh, let the audience know what it is that you actually do? Oh, in totally. Terms of the, <laughs> yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm a co I'm a business mindset coach. And so what I do is, uh, you know, a lot like what you do is I yeah. help people to kind of get out of their own ways. And really, I think of what I do is helping people to see more possibilities in their lives and then, you know, have the courage and confidence to act on those possibilities. Yeah. I love what you said about the breadcrumb trail because that's what I always say. Like we really just need to know what the next step is that excites us, that feels exciting because as like you, you started seven different businesses, as you said, which is amazing. Yeah. And even though the first six weren't the one, they were all leading you to the one. Exactly. Each one actually gave me something that I really liked about business and, right. you know, yeah, it's pretty cool. What does that process look like for you in terms of, you know, honoring that, because I think so much of the time we want to know what the end vision, what the end goal is. And people almost don't give themselves permission to move forward until they have a, until they think they know what it is that they want it to ultimately look like. And my thing is always just, like I said, really honoring what feels exciting next. What, what is that like for you? Uh, in terms of, I mean, I honestly always looking for those things that do that are so like my, for me, values alignment is really important in not just the work that I do with people, but also just my life, uh, figuring out what, what are the core values that kind of drive me through every situation and letting that be the compass that I use to guide me through decisions in the world. So, you know, uh, the, the candy machine business was like, great. Cause I wanted to build some kind of passive income. But, you know, ultimately, it's a lot of work to run a candy machine business and not <laughs> the kind of work that I love doing, except what I found was I really loved the conversations where I would go and approach business owners to let me put candy machines into their businesses. You know what I mean? And so that conversation, the negotiation, the relationship building, that sort of thing, like I listened to that and I was like, oh, OK, great. I want to make sure that I have that in my next business, um, you know. I think find, finding what those things are that drive us is like one of the most important things that we can do as human beings, period. What were, I'm so intrigued. You had a candy machine business. What were some of the <laughs> other businesses that you've had? Uh, I had, I had, a, I had two odd jobs and errand services that I kind of approached from different angles. I was an acupuncturist for a while. Wow. And uh, this is the second round of my, of my coaching business as well. I was a copywriter. Uh, okay. lots, you know, lots of, lots of different things. <laughs> right. And copywriting is obviously a huge part of the business that you do now. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and my favorite business, one of my favorite businesses before this one was actually, uh, I used to 
sell weed back before it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) That was where I learned a lot about marketing. I'm like, it was always cool in Canada, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, That's great. Well, and so like I've often told my story of, uh, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, having so many, I had a career in teaching and I was an artist and I had a YouTube channel and I did some network marketing stuff. And, oh, I had a, like an aesthetics business at one point. And I had yes. my first ever business coach say to me, cause I, I said to her, like, I just don't see where all of these things are leading me. And she said exactly what you're describing, which was at some point in the not too distant future, you're going to look back at all of these experiences and see how each and every one of them contributed to where you were ultimately going, even if you can't see it right now. And I always remembered that because that was exactly the experience when I realized what I really wanted to be doing, which is very similar to what you do. I'm a business coach. I mostly work with um, coaches and course creators, and uh, we really focus on the mindset side of things. Um, And once I had that clarity, it was like I pulled from each one of those different experiences, and that's what made it so aligned for me, but also made it something I was confident in. And it sounds like it's the exact same thing for you. Totally. It's, it's like there's this, uh, this golden thread that unites all of our experiences, mm. but you don't get to see it in foresight. That's the, that's the trick. <laughs> exactly. Hindsight is twenty twenty, not foresight. Exactly. exactly. Well, and yeah, well, Go I was ahead. just going to say, I think that's actually something that's really, uh, really important for people to understand too, because a lot of people, when they're starting out, you know, you hear a lot of the marketing language, like you've got to find your ideal customer. You've got to find your unique selling proposition. And before you do anything else, you've got to really understand what that looks like. And so a lot of people get stuck because they're like, well, I I don't know. My thing is for everybody or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Just start offering the thing and then you'll find the people that you most like to work with. And then, uh, you know, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule or whatever. Uh, Which in what uh, context? uh, Well, I mean... It originally came about because there was this Italian economist and he started to notice that all of the land was all of uh, like 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the landowners. Right. And he noticed this ratio. And so then he started to like look in other areas and it turns out this kind of ratio shows up a lot of the places. And and most people will find that uh, 80% of their workload is for 20% of their clients. 80% of their results is coming from 20% of their clients, that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and so I like to apply that Pareto principle as we're like, kind of trimming back our client load. It's like, look at the clients who are your very best, who are those 20%. And then how can we replicate those? And then, you know, do it again and keep doing it. And you'll, and through that process of iteration, you'll find out who your ideal client actually is. You're not going to figure it out. I don't think, you know, in foresight, you're going to figure it out in hindsight. Yeah. And I know that you talk a lot about perfectionism. Um, and I think that this, that desire to figure it out beforehand comes from a place of perfectionism. Totally. Which comes from a place of like, how do I do it with no risk? Exactly. (laughs) How do I get it right the first time so that nobody, I don't have to risk anyone seeing me possibly fail. Totally. Pack up shop now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, which is interesting that we think of, we tend to think of it that way because we didn't always, I mean, every single one of us had a growth and failure mindset when Mm. we were kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. None of no. us would know how to walk or talk if we hadn't been comfortable getting it wrong. So I certainly know my answer to this, but where do you think as adults or perhaps, you know, as we grow up into adults, where do you think that shifts and why such that we're so afraid to be seen in our vulnerability or we're so afraid to be vulnerable? We're so afraid to 
take those risks and to possibly be seen in them either working out or not? Which is a great question. And my tongue in cheek answer is middle school. (laughs) 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 But also kind of not because, you know, really middle school is where we start to experience extreme social consequences for making mistakes. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep, absolutely. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, I loved the directness of like middle school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's exactly that, right? We have these experiences that shape us that can be quite traumatic. And we think, I don't want to put myself out there like that again. That was embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. So um, were you always entrepreneurial minded? Did you have a life before being a business owner or was this what you dove right into as soon as you know you were able? Uh, I did dive right into it as soon as I was able. I actually, when I decided that I wanted to coach specifically business owners, I realized I had actually never worked in a company. <laughs> and so I took a, a like a three-year hiatus when I first moved to Portland in the Northwest uh, back in 2015. Because I had been coaching, I had a, my previous coaching business was dating and relationship focused. And uh, yeah, again, you know, look, it was a breadcrumb because I I was like, oh, I love the coaching piece. Don't love the dating and relationship piece as much. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I had a a good friend of mine started a a dating and relationship coaching business and he was amazing, but he said like, it really just depends so much on the client that you're working with. Like they have to be so ready to take such radical levels of responsibility. And a lot of people are not. (laughs) Exactly. And that responsibility piece, I think is, it's so key. Like the willingness to kind of own your outcomes is so important. Yes. Yes. In all areas. But I think dating (laughs) and relationships (laughs) is the easiest place to be like, no, but it's his fault or it's her fault. Or this is just the way that things are. I was talking to a friend last week who was just stating, you know, this is what the dating world is these days. And I'm like, well, keep saying that if you (laughs) want to keep getting, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So sorry, go on. So you, you were doing um, dating and relationship coaching. Yeah. And it was, it was tough, you know, like for all these reasons that we're talking about. And, but I had a couple clients who came to me for dating and relationship stuff. Very quickly, we kind of resolved that wrap wrapped up, or at least got them to a good place with the dating and relationship stuff, but they were both business owners. And I, Mm. so we used the remainders of their contracts to focus on their businesses basically. And I watched as you know, the power of coaching, you're, you've got someone there listening with the coaching questions and the coaching perspective and I apply that to their businesses and I just watched their businesses grow over a period of three months. And I was like, oh, this, this is really yeah. cool. This is cool stuff. Do you find that it's the same things, same sort of narratives that you worked on in their dating lives that come up in their business lives, um, you know, just perhaps manifesting a little bit differently? <laughs> That's a great question. But I mean, I would say yes, but only because... Really, it's the same couple issues that show up in everybody's, in every area of everybody's lives, you know, like self-worth is such a big deal and it's huge in dating and relationships and it's huge in business because once you really understand the worth and value of like getting sold on your own offering is the same as like getting sold on yourself, you know? 
Let's talk about that. This is one of my favorite topics. And as uh, you know, my programs, I have a whole program for creating courses and, and coaching programs. And that's the premise of it. Like, let's start with an offer that you fully, fully believe in. Because a lot of people in the industry do it backwards. They just create an offer that they think will sell and then they try to get the marketing behind it. And it's yep. like, but you you're your belief was never there. If you weren't a thousand percent sold on both the offer and you being the person offering that offer, it doesn't matter how you market it, right? You're not going to draw in the people. So I want to hear what sort of your take on this is for business owners. Is it something, what's your kind of process for helping people get sold on themselves? Well, I mean, it really is. That's wow. What a great question. So, uh, I mean, personal confidence is self-worth. I think you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of things like affirmation mm-hmm. um, and like making a decision about the future. So, you know, I, the example that I'm always giving clients is because I, in my office, I, I look out at Mount Rainier in Washington State. And I, you know, if you want to get to Mount Rainier, if I like decide that I'm going to get to Mount Rainier, well, one thing I know is if I actually make it to Mount Rainier, I've overcome all of the obstacles between here and there, right? I, I like made it past all of them. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there are going to be obstacles and showing up and having obstacles is, is fine, is great, actually, when the obstacles show up, as long as I'm willing to continue moving on the process. Right. And I think that confidence actually as a as a concept arises in us through taking courageous action, action yes, where com- we are unsure of the outcome and we care about the yes. outcome. Yes, I was just going to say confidence equals confidence and confidence comes from doing something a lot of times until you get good at it. <laughs> exactly. Like you don't, you can't do it. It's again, it's another one of those hindsight things, right? Like you, you can't sit around waiting for confidence to happen before you take action because that's literally the cart before the horse. The way that confidence comes about is through taking action and especially specifically risky action where we care about the outcome. Right. Right. So it um, can't just be any risk and it can't just be any action, but it's gotta be like, Hey, something's on the line. I could fail and it would mean something to me and then still do the action anyway. Right. Okay. So what would that look like? So if you had a client come to you and that's what they're, the thing that they're most struggling with, or you just know that it's a piece that they're needing to click into place in terms of like really coming to a place of such conviction around themselves and their, how, whatever it is that they're offering in their business. What does it look like? You say, okay, let's identify an action that you can take that's going to you know, kind of transform that way of being for you or what do, I, I know it, it would probably really depend on each individual client. Um, yeah. but yeah, what, what are some of the things that you've had your clients implement in that way to build that confidence? I, I mean, it really depends on the client, right? It's like, what mm-hmm. is a risky action for that right. client? Because right. for some people it's a risky action to just talk to strangers about their yeah. offering and, and ask them questions. For some people, that's a risky, for some people to invite people into a sales conversation is a risky action, you know? And so just going and doing that. Um, and it, so it depends on where the person's at, you know, like I have a, cause so I I mentioned briefly, I had this head injury when I was 19 and I lost, I damaged the part of my brain that was social skills related basically. So I lost some language functioning and definitely the ability to communicate with other people effectively, which is really depressing, but Uh, in, in relearning my social skills, one of the things you got to do is you got to talk to people. Right. And I had this like crippling social anxiety because I didn't know whether or not I was going to be coming across as awkward or, you know, weird or whatever when I was talking to people at that time. 
And so one of the things that I did to get over that, uh, that personal sense of social anxiety was I went, I don't remember where I got, I think I modified this from a couple of exercises that uh, coaches of mine helped me with, but I went to the bottom of a down escalator at like a JC Penney's or a Macy's or something like that. And I literally asked every single woman that came down the escalator out <laughs> for coffee. <laughs> Like, you want to go, you want to get coffee? No. You want to go get coffee? No. Okay. How about you? You want to go get coffee? <laughs> Did anyone say yes? Uh, I, and I got one fake number, but, uh, but the point was to get to a hundred <laughs> no's, right? The point was not to get yeses. Right. It was, <laughs> it was so to good. seek out the no's, right? Because that's the point. Like we're so afraid of failure. Yes. We're so averse to the risk that it's actually, this is where the confidence comes from. Because once, you know, once you get a hundred no's in a row, yes. You're like, you know what? I can go talk to anybody because if they say no, who cares? There's an endless stream of human beings behind them. And I yes. can just ask the next person. <laughs> uh, that's so good because it's it's all about what we make things mean, right? B- before you got 100 no's, what you would make it mean, and I'm using you as an example because I think we all have some version of this or many versions of this, but we make it mean you know, re- that we, re- we were rejected. We make it mean that we weren't appealing to, you know, those people, whether it's in our business or in our, our personal life, we make it mean that we're abandoned. We make it mean all of these things that we fear to be true about ourselves. And then when it actually happens, you have the opportunity to go, well, it didn't actually mean that. Like for me, I help clients a lot with launches. And one of the best things that's happened to me in my business is multiple failed launches yeah. <laughs> because I was so afraid of what it meant. And then when it happened, I was like, well, it didn't actually mean any of those things. I didn't but know. I, the world yeah. didn't stop turning. <laughs> Trump exactly. didn't get reelected. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm still here. I'm still going to keep taking action. But had that failure not happened, I love that the goal there was to get 100 no's. <laughs> had that yeah. not happened, you would have just kept resisting the possibility of it. Totally. Which, and, and I just to highlight that thing that you were just talking about, what I did was I created a win-win situation for myself, right? There was no loss because I either got a date, which I didn't, <laughs> or I got <laughs> to my goal of a hundred no's, right? And right. I, there was no, there was no loss for me. So it's like really understanding that that growth process happens through failure because I'll bet you, I, I, I guarantee that you learned some things from those failed launches. Yeah. Oh my God. Way more than successful launches. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's actually success can be a can be like a a detriment in the beginning because you like you can get lucky and then you don't know what the success was all about, actually, in the first place. So you can't replicate it. You didn't really own it. You know, you're still in a place of insecurity, even though you succeeded, which is, by the way, that's imposter syndrome is a lot of that. Like, oh, I just everything's easy for me and I always succeed. But like people don't understand that it's easy for me. So I'm not really working hard. And like, do I really deserve this? And (laughs) Right. Well, and I've had friends and clients who were successful right out the gate, but they couldn't like, maybe they replicated it a couple of times, but inevitably they were going to come up against a period in their business where it wasn't all just going to be easy. And then it's almost like, to me, that's almost more painful than if you just not had the success in the beginning. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, now you're like, well, now I'm, I'm doing something wrong or people are now getting tired of hearing about this or, and it's like, no, it doesn't mean any of those things. You just kind of did get lucky in the beginning, but it doesn't mean any, I don't know. It's just like, there's a lot to be said about sort of the slow grow, if you will, especially yeah. for business owners, not necessarily slow, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> Rather absolutely. Than, yeah. Yeah. Getting lucky. I know for me, like as a business coach, all of my programs are based around what didn't work for me, <laughs> my own lessons. Mm. 
That's great. I, yeah, that's awesome. I wouldn't have that much content without it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we need the failure for the content, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you talk, well, you talked in there about imposter syndrome, people pleasing, um, you know, perfectionism. These things come up like all the time. We've got different versions of these things. And maybe we can talk about imposter syndrome. How do you move through that with your clients? Have you had experiences with it? What, how do you kind of, cause you talked about how you break down, um, perfectionism and what, where it's really coming from because imposter yeah. syndrome is something that I get questions about all the time. I'd love to hear your take on it. If someone said, what is imposter syndrome or how do I work through it? What would you say? Yeah. Well, and I just want to point out because yeah, we talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about, uh, uh, people pleasing there. And I think the other one that they mentioned mm -hmm. was fear of failure or I, I don't remember, but if, but if yeah. you notice those all have at the core, the same thing, which is what we talked about yeah. before your sense right. of self worth, your, your sense of your value in the world. Yes. Right. Yes. Because if you feel like you're an imposter, you don't believe that you have the value that other people attribute to you. Right. right. If, if you're people pleasing, it's because you're trying to prove to other people that you're lovable and worthy and valuable. Yeah, that proving thing. I think that that is our businesses can be so laced with an energy of proving. Uh, um, totally. I know mine certainly has. Like I've certainly, you know, gotten to places where I realized I was trying to prove something, um, which is just like the problem with that is that the goalpost keeps moving. So even if like at one at, at, yeah. at the beginning, you know, a ten thousand dollar month, that was me proving that I could be successful, right? And then yeah. that happened, and I was like, oh, I still don't. Like, like your work, it didn't work. On, it didn't work. Well, now it must be $20,000 yeah. a month. Um, so, I mean, I think the conversation really then needs to be, how can you find worth and power without the need for any external validation or circumstances? Like it needs to be unconditional. Ugh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it would be nice if it was unconditional, but I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, if it's possible. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Personally, I don't know if it is like, you know, well, I mean, in a sense it is, right? Because that's what all the major religions of the world are based on is, right? Like is, is an unconditional world of acceptance and, you know, basically right. perfection, right? Like do live a good life and you'll make it to heaven. The Buddha's like non-attachment, non-duality, you'll be fine anywhere you are. So like, I think that there is a way to do it and it does kind of by necessity involve withdrawing from the world. So like to do that and to like say succeed in business or care about something, you know, it's like a tricky line to walk maybe. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I don't think that we need to be like, cause it, it creates this narrative for people. I think where they're like, okay, exactly what you just said. I need to not care about this thing that I care so much about. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, just doesn't really work. Um, I, oh, there was something I was going to ask you about in there. Is is there like specific uh, sort of modalities that you have clients introduce or certain like practices? Like for me, a huge one is self-talk, like intentional mm. self-talk mm. and like a lot oh, of self-acknowledge. Okay. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I actually use affirmation in a really in a really like specific way with clients. Okay. And so it's mm -hmm. funny, I was, as we were prepping for this call, I, I was kind of preparing some I send clients a little gift package uh, when we, when they first sign on and really it's like, it's a bunch of different items, but the, the ex it's just an excuse to send a set of mala beads and uh, 108, you know, the prayer yep. beads, the meditation yep. beads. 
it's an excuse to get those in their hands because very early on in our work, we're going to craft an affirmation for them. Because uh, what I want to do is just like when you go to the, say, a martial arts dojo or something like that, and you want to learn to block, right? You don't want to have to think about how to block when somebody's attacking you, right? Like you, you just want that to kind of flow out of you, yeah. right? Because that's like, that's what the like point of it are. is. <laughs> if you have to think about how to block, it's going to, you're going right. to slow down in the moment and you're going to get hit. Mm, yeah. Right. And so the idea behind the affirmation, the, my affirmation practice that I encourage people to do is to get to 10,000 reps in one specific affirmation before moving on to another one. Okay. And there's, and there's a few ways of going about that, but really that's why I send the beads. There's 108 beads on a strand. If you do that a hundred days in a row or do it a hundred times, you've got to 10,000 reps on your affirmation. And while you're practicing that affirmation, you're, you're not just like repeating it by rote, which is important in the beginning, just so that you can like memorize it, but you're also intending it into reality. Like you're speaking it as though it's truth and that it's your intention to be that way. Right. Um, Right. And so, uh, doing that practice and getting really clear on what your affirmation thought is, that's going to help to support you. Like my, my, I still rattle off my very initial affirmation, which was back again, when I was 20, 16 years ago. And I'm saying to myself, I am calm, confident, funny, relaxed, energetic, entertaining, interesting. I'm calm, confident, funny, relaxed. (laughs) Yeah. Thousands and thousands of times repeating that. And I didn't even have know anything about affirmations at that time. I just knew that I would go out, I would experience this anxiety and I wanted something that I could say to myself that would at least be some positive thinking. And, uh, and so cr- crafting that and then speaking it with intention and then really imagining it, you're really doing a few things psychologically. Like f- forget about the, you know, the spiritual power of affirmations for a second, which I think is great, but th- you're actually like using the biases in your brain. Like our brain does all these things, you know, we've got a lot of data to process. And so we'll d- take shortcuts. Our brains will take shortcuts and, the shortcuts are usually, they're really helpful because otherwise we'd have to process like all of the data in the world rather than like tree, you know, I'd have to process like thousands of green, like lead, you know, there's no way to do that. So, uh, practically, but when the brain makes these shortcuts, you know, there's some errors sometimes that happen. So, you know, there are these cognitive biases like confirmation bias and intention bias, uh, desirability bias and all these things happen and they like filter our reality. And sometimes we make mistakes because we use these biases, Right. But my idea is why not use the biases for our good, right? So if we, if we drill out on a single affirmation, really repeat it over and over and over again, what we're doing is a few things. One is we're practicing it just so like it's muscle memory, just like the blocking thing. So that in any given situation, I'm more likely to reach for that thought than any other thought. Right. Okay. So that's yeah. really useful. And then the flip side of that is true too, right? Because I'm less likely then to reach for those negative thoughts where, you know, most of us, if you're like a normal person, you've been repeating a negative affirmation or yes. two or five or 10 <laughs> to yourself for decades. Right. And so yeah. it kind of starts to counteract that. And then the third part is that we're actually activating this, uh, our confirmation bias and attention bias. So because we're spending so much time and attention on what it would mean if I were calm, confident, funny, relaxed. Like, what does that look like? What does that version of me show up as in the world? Well, then when I go about my daily life, I'm going to be more primed, more aware of opportunities to show up that way. And I will have already rehearsed what it looks like to show up that way. So I think this is really important for shaping our sense of self uh, identity, you know? 
So the way that I, because I've not heard it referred to as attention bias, but I think what you're talking about is like the reticular activation system in the brain. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like basically, in other words, filtering out information that supports the mantra that you've, the affirmation that you've been repeating for yourself, the the new belief. Is that exactly the way that you Yeah, okay, attention, attention bias means when you spend the time, when you spend your attention on things, you're more likely to find more of that in your reality. Right, right. You're right? finding so if, your brain. So if I, looks if I for say evidence, blue, yeah. you're more likely to look around your environment and see blue. Right. Than than something else, green or round or something like that. You know. Yeah, I think like it's a shame that the average person doesn't understand this because just in your life, right? Like anything that we state as true, we observe something unwanted, we state it as true. This is the way people are. This is how dating goes. This is yeah. the reality about money. And it's like, well, X yeah, equals y. in your yeah, in your world, all those things are true. You're actually your brain's like, okay, sure, we'll find you all kinds of evidence for those things then. <laughs> Yeah. And it's crazy because you don't realize that you're actually creating it with your yeah. language yes. because it seems like we're observing reality. Like we're just, we're just putting a label to what already exists in reality. It's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's so confusing because it's so counterintuitive, but I know I, there's I know. lots of science to back it up. Mm-hmm. And, and science from a, you know, this is kind of how I explain like manifestation to people that maybe aren't into the spiritual side of things, um, where it's like your brain literally is looking for the things that you are thinking about, whether you believe that you attracted that to you or not, it doesn't matter. It's that we're have with so much incoming information. So it's looking for what it knows to be relevant for you. So, um, when it comes to like, I like I've I've often referred to what you're talking about with the affirmation as sort of like having a ride or die mantra, like one that for you really just like allows you to come back to that space of groundedness, feeling calm when perhaps you're not. Like, what is mm. one truth that you really want to drill in? What is your process for? helping your clients to decide what that is for them, you know, such that they repeat it, uh, what did you say? 10,000 times before they move on to the next one. Yeah. And 10,000 times is just a, you know, it's a useful framework. Most people have heard of like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. It's kind of borrowed from that, but it's just a good amount of time. Usually, honestly, by the time you get to 6,000 reps, you're starting to see your reality in terms of your affirmation. Right. Um, right. So in terms of coming up with that affirmation, like for themselves, crafting it in the first place, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's, first of all, there's some guidelines, again, not rules, but just useful frameworks for setting an affirmation. Well, uh, one is making it positive, you know, like not, I'm not the kind of person who, da, 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 right. da, but figuring out what the opposite of that is for you. And then stating, I am the kind of person who, um, two is uh, present tense. And so, you know, you're not talking about what you will be in the future, which can be a tendency because then you're affirming to yourself that you're not it now, but you will be it in the future. And the future is a moving target, a moving goalpost, as you said before. Um, And the three is I tend, and this again, it's just guidelines, but I tend to focus on qualities over specific outcomes because qualities, you know, like I'm confident. Well, shit, there's sometimes when everybody has felt confident in their lives. Right. And so finding a place where, you can, you have been that, you have experienced that in your life. It's just going to help you to 
build the belief faster than starting from something like I'm a millionaire. It's like, well, if you if you don't have a million dollars in your bank account, it's really hard to believe that right now. Yeah. And so that every time was, you say it, your brain's going to say, nah, <laughs> uh-huh. and you're actually like, it's working in the opposite way. That was going to be my next thing was, cause I always ask people to look for something that feels like it has some truth to it in one way or another. So I liked the distinction you gave there where like making it about qualities rather than, um, you know, specific outcomes, because those qualities are what's going to lead you to the specific outcomes anyways. And in my mind, it's much easier to embody a certain way of feeling than it is like a a certain outcome. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that there's, there's some distinctions that like more advanced work, like you can actually, you know, if you've, if you really have come to believe that in a growth mindset, for example, and, and you like have really internalized the fact that anybody can probably do just about anything that they set their mind to if they're willing to deliberately practice and show up and fail and face that failure in front of other people and keep doing that thing. You know, if, if people are willing to do that work, chances are that they're going to be able to get to wherever they want to go, like for the most part. Like, And yeah. if you really believe that internally, then an affirmation around some outcome can be more plausible for you. Right. Because you might say, well, I, I, I'm not making a hundred thousand dollars a month right now, but you know, I could imagine a world in which I am. And I right. can imagine that there is some path to get from here to there. And so that's going to be a little bit easier than, you know, having the brain go, no, but I do believe that that's a little bit more advanced and why bother when you can get so much benefit from just drilling in the qualities, the kinds of person who makes a hundred thousand dollars a month. And so much of everything that you've talked about comes back to a topic we talk about on here a lot that I think is the be all end all in terms of like mindset within business, which is who you are being, right? Your way of being, which is a fancy way of saying your relationship with yourself or your self image or self perception. Yeah, exactly. Is that like the way that you view yourself in the world? Right, exactly. Um, What role does that play? for you or how do you describe that? Cause I think even just when I say to people, well, it's who you're being or it's your, the, yeah, the way that you, I liked the way that you said it, it's, it can be quite a different concept for people to grasp or a little bit more conceptual of a concept. Is that mm-hmm. something that you break down for your clients when you have people that are coming in? Is it, is that a new concept for them? Or do you have people that are fairly well-versed in the world of, of mindset and are looking for the guidance around it, or is it new for them? Yeah, that's a, a really interesting question. It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately in terms of my marketing, because I do think that the people that I'm tending to see in my business, they have done some amount of mindset work. So if I say something like, you know, self-concept or the, the way you view yourself being important to the way that you get results, they like have an idea of that. Uh, but, you know, I think I think that if someone came to me and they didn't have that, I would probably build a bridge. So, right. you know, like, for instance, I could talk about, you know, imagining the feeling in your left heel right now. And before I said that, you and I probably were, I know I wasn't <laughs> thinking about my left heel, but now I am and you are and our listeners are as well, right? Right. And, and that's just an aspect of myself that I'm highlighting in my consciousness and in my aware- awareness. And so... Okay. So I would say that's the same thing with some of this affirmation work and some of this self self work. It's not that I'm pretending about myself. Yes. It, it's not that, like I'm telling a, a, a kind lie. And I think that's where a lot of people really get hung up on some of this stuff is they're like, oh, you're just lying to yourself or, 
you know, like you can't just speak positive things into the world and have them become real. And it's like, well, no, I, but I can notice the positive things about my life. And I think that's why like affirmation and gratitude are so closely related to each other. You know? Yeah. Essentially you are choosing a different lens to view yourself and your life and your business through. Exactly. Like, yeah. Same set of circumstances. One. Exactly. Um, it's all about like the story that you're telling. Exactly. It, it all comes down to the story. So you don't need to be anyone different or, you know, ch- I think we really get caught up in this idea that I just need to change things about myself. No, you are who you're supposed to be. You got to change how you feel about who you already are. Exactly. The story that you're telling about that person. <clears throat> yes, exactly. Um, do you do any work with your clients in terms of sort of undoing some of the ways of being that don't serve them in their business in terms of insecurity, uncertainty? Uh, is there any sort of like trauma work that you focus on or inner child work or, you know, you can call it a million different things? Yeah, I, I don't personally, because again, okay. just just like my rules for affirmation, <clears throat> I'm going to just focus on the positive and then continue to practice right. in the in the positive. Um, because a lot of times where it it feels really great to do that trauma work, like it can, it feels like, I mean, not necessarily feels great. Like, Oh, it's a party, but like, uh, (laughs) it can, it can be really satisfying to sort of mull over what has gone wrong in the past. And in terms of, you know, concrete results in the world, like usually people are hiring me because they want some result in the world. And you know, while that feels really good to do that work, I think, and I, by the way, I believe there's a lot of value in it. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say anything other than that, but for, for me and my work with people, they're hiring me to get somewhere as quickly as possible. And so the more time we spend in kind of like why things aren't working, the more we're sending the brain on the Google query, like why aren't things working? And, and so again, then we're going to be highlighting, you know, the, the right palm rather than the left heel of our body and, I just would rather focus our attention and our, and we got limited time and attention. So I'd rather focus it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and I think like everybody's journey is different in terms of the work that you need for the first few years in my business. It was exactly what you just described where I was really just focusing on the positive, really like, like doing the rewiring work. Whereas this year I've been led a lot more into visiting some of the things like stories I had about myself that were from the past. Um, but I agree there's like a fine line where you don't want to start identifying with those old stories and then having them almost like have the opposite effect, which can happen. <laughs> right. Well, and also, I mean, cause I, we, we do want to have a cohesive narrative in our lives, you know what I mean? Right. And so, so doing some of that work again, that's what I'm saying. It's really valuable work it's just when, you know, when people are coming to me and they're like, Hey, I want to get to, you know, across this body of water. I'm like, okay, well, let's build the bridge to get there. Not look at the road that it took you to get here. Because while right. that's really valuable work, because it's going to help us understand more about yourself. It's going to help us build that cohesive narrative. It's also going to just feel good. Like to have somebody listen to you about your story that, you know, you've shown up with. Uh, I think it's really valuable. And some of the best work that I personally have ever experienced in my life was when I have both a therapist and a coach kind of helping me from different in different directions from that. Like one looking mm-hmm. backwards and one looking forward and it's be like, Holy shit. Like the same thing that's coming up in both sessions is like what is really alive in me right now. So I think it's really valuable work to do that past work. It's just not personally where I play. And I love that. I don't think that you need to like be as a mindset coach. I think we need to, we all, op- people often think, 
they need to be an expert at absolutely everything. I have a lot of uh, clients who are coaches that want to speak and teach, speak to and teach mindset or manifestation. And I'm like, okay, but what, like within that bigger intention, they get totally overwhelmed, like feeling like they need to teach an encyclopedia worth of (laughs) information as opposed to like when I've taught manifestation, a lot of it comes down to like self-talk. Like that's the thing that I love to talk about because I believe that the way we view ourselves is what we are creating in our relationships, in our business, in our, um, you know, in our conversations with people, so on and so forth. Totally. Uh, So yeah, I really like what you said there about like choosing the narrative that speaks to you and, and being okay that you, like, you don't need to know everything there is to know about, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, whatever industry or niche you're in. Yeah, Um, totally. And on that topic, is, you know, the energy side of things something that you speak to or perhaps just practice within your own business? And by that, I mean, like, the slightly more, like, spiritual manifestation Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So I, um, basically, this whole journey started for me right after I had, like, a spiritual awakening. Right out of high school, I had this, like, amazing experience where kind of, like, I had been an atheist up to that point in my life. And then I, I just kind of met the entity that people call God in this like mm-hmm. experience that I had. And then like I, within six months I had had my head injury. And so for me, the, like the investigation of that entity, like what, what are we talking about? What is spirit? What is, you know, they call it, people call it different things. I think God universe, they physics, they reply, they, you know, they're all referring to kind of the same yes. thing. Yeah. There's like one of us here. <laughs> Matter and energy can either be created or destroyed. And if you play that out to the nth degree, that means like, really, there is only one thing in the universe, right? And um, and so like playing with what does that mean? And how do people think about that was what really drove me for the next four or five years of my life. Just like, I would go to any spiritual, you know, meeting any like call it church or whatever, wherever the prayer group or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, and I think that they, when I started to talk about that to people, I think that I was hanging out with very like scientifically minded people and philosophers, a lot of like people who rejected the idea of God. So I would find that I had, I was in order, in order to be effective in my conversations, I was needing to like speak about it in different ways. Again, like I'm highlighting my left heel rather than my right palm, like talk about things in different ways. And for me, I don't think that there's a difference between say the spiritual side of manifestation and the neuropsychology of manifestation, right? Right. That, that we're talking about the exact same thing. Yes. And so depending on who I'm talking to and what their level of, you know, or, or what they, what, what kind of language they like to use really, yeah, I can tailor it to either way. Cause I think that it's re- I think it's really fun to think about it in lots of different ways. Like I love the law of attraction and the secret. I'm yeah. a big fan of that. And then for me, I figured out how all of that stuff actually worked in neuropsychology. Right. Yeah. And As a lot well. of people need that. Yeah. Something um, so I do. More. I talk about both okay. <laughs> to answer your question. No, I love that. I, I completely agree. Um, and you're right. It really does. I mean, I think that's, what I love about continuing to just read more and understand more is like seeing how it all really fits back into the exact same equation, (laughs) exact same understanding. It's just like what resonates with you in terms of your way of, of viewing it. Because for some people it's like really having faith in God. For me, I didn't grow up religious at all in that I had like actually a lot of triggers around the word God for a long time. Mm-hmm, and so it was exactly. way more about like what, what had me sort of wake up and actually really start opening myself up to it. Cause I was like you, I was 
I didn't necessarily identify as an atheist. I was just sort of like, I called myself a realist. Like I just didn't really believe in any of that kind of stuff. It was once I started getting into the science side of things and understanding it. Yeah. From a, uh, neuro, you know, a subconscious standpoint, if you mm-hmm. will, or whatever you want to call it, totally. that I started, that opened me up to the spirituality side of things. So yeah. I think it's, it's really just personal for you in your business. Are there certain practices that you do? What does your mindset practice look like? And do you have a process around say, you know, setting a specific goal and then moving towards it? Mm, totally. So I am, it's funny because I'm in business with my, my fiance, we're partners in business and in life. And in terms of like s- plans to get places, she's the plan person. I'm the, okay. the big picture, the principle, the strategy person. <laughs> and she's like the, the tactical, like, let's figure out how to get from here to there. Uh, so for me, what goal setting means is like, un- again, it's all values based. So you know, my, my three main values are growth, connection, and play. And so if I am living in alignment with those values, then, you know, there's nothing, nothing's wrong. <laughs> Everything's fine. And there's no place to be. Um, but in terms of like actually setting goals, it's like imagining what does a life where my values, our values together are sort of maximally expressed, like 10 out of 10 express and really like getting clear on what does that life look like and then working backwards to like okay well what needs to happen in order for that life to exist for me so i a lot of people you know clients come to me with uh, monetary goals a lot of times Uh and the first thing i'm always going to do with a monetary goal is i'm going to ask them what is that money for yeah because uh one of my mentors says money wants a reason to come into our lives yes you know, and so I, I, and I really believe that. Like, once you start to really get clear on what are you going to do with that money, then all of a sudden it's a lot easier to make because you're not, you're not hoarding money and you're not like, you're actually like wanting to create a life and invest in a life that is meaningful to you. And so, yeah, I don't know if you resonate with the, the saying, nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's totally been my experience. And I think just from a, you know, manifestation standpoint, it's about what you're excited about. It's about where your energy is. It's about where your expectation is. So I completely agree when we make it about monetary amounts of money, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not all that emotionally charged. It's like a number on a screen. Whereas it's like when you actually know what it is that you want to do with that money, well, now you are aligning yourself with it. You're getting excited about it. You're thinking about it. You're picturing it. You're visualizing it. That's what manifestation is. That's how you're going to start taking action in line with it. Totally. Exactly. And, you know, and for some people, the game of money is the reason, right? And if that's the case, then that's great. Then I want them to imagine the game of money, right? Because that, that's a totally, that can be a valid value. I right. don't care what, you know, whatever their yeah. reasons are. I just want them to highlight what their reasons are rather than just a number. Because yeah. maybe it is just the plan. I want to amass a ton of money. It's like, okay, well, so you want to play the game of money. Great. Well, what does that look like for you? Like, what's your you know, what's your day to day look like when you're playing the game of money and you're amassing lots and lots of money, right? What is, what does it look like in your world? Right. I love that. Playing yeah. the game of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Some people that's really a motivator for them. You know what I mean? Like, I think like what, totally. you know, the, the, the wealthiest people that we think of, like, I think a, a big thing that is important to them is just like, ha- like playing the game of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, 
there's any, it really doesn't matter. Sometimes people are like worried that with their goals, they're coming from ego. And I'm like, but we have egos. Like we have (laughs) things we desire to buy. If you want the $4,000 handbag, by all means, like get the thing, you know, like this kind of idea that like, oh, but that is that desire coming from the wrong place. Who cares? (laughs) As though there can be a wrong place to come from. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I always say too, especially for, you know, coaches, consultants, um, people that are creating content is like, if that desire has you, you know, endeavor to put your thoughts out into the world to change people or to, to contribute to people in a way that allows them to create desired change in their life, does it matter what your reasoning for doing that was? Like it, it's because of the handbag or it's because of the desired amount of money that you're creating a change in the world that only you can create. I mean, totally. And we're in, you know, we're all going to be playing by whatever rules or whatever game we want to be playing, whether it's the game of money or it's the game of handbags or it's (laughs) the game, you know, like, you know, right and wrong is one of the things that I encourage my clients to just, there's, there's, yeah, those words don't do anything resourceful for us usually. (laughs) Right, wrong, good, bad. These words, they, they're stand-ins for things that are important to you. You know, like what's right to, to you or to me is what's important to me and what gets me closer to what's important to me and what's good and bad are the same thing. Right. So I prefer I, what's useful. <laughs> I think that all comes back to, again, the story that you're telling. <laughs> totally. About it. Like, oh, this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is bad. It's like, well, to somebody else, it's the opposite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, who, who's to say which one is which except for you? You're the one. You're the arbiter of what's yeah. real in your life. Yes. Um, okay. So I want to ask you, Ben, where can people find you and work with you online? Okay. Uh, well, lucidshiftcoaching.com is the best place to contact us. Awesome. Um, we're, yeah, we're currently, we have a, a weekly, uh, container right now, a group coaching container. That's free. It's, it's just to help people experience more freedom in their lives. It's called the breakthrough bar. And so people would be uh, welcome to kind of find that through the website. Um, yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that's that really would be where cool. I would go. Yeah, okay, you know, awesome. it, it's a, it's just a container for like we have a bunch of friends who are business owners, and you know, we experience a lot of kind of financial success, freedom, and emotional freedom in our lives. And honestly, we want more people to play with. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? So yeah. that container is to like help all of our friends, and everybody's a friend waiting to happen, unless we're in val- out of values alignment. And then I'm gonna, you know disinvite you from the breakthrough bar. <laughs> but I love that. What does it look like? What's the structure for it? Uh, we, you know, we show up, people show up on the call and then usually I'll do an, we'll have to do a little bit of rapport in the beginning, just connecting. Uh, it's really a community thing. And then I'll see if anybody wants some, some coaching or has something that they'd like to kind of work through. And then I'll do a little spotlight coaching where there's some group engagement, but uh, mostly it's like everybody getting to benefit from, you know, what one person is experiencing in their business uh, and then, you know, we move on. We usually do two of those in the 90 minute structure it happens every Fridays from one to two thirty Pacific time. That's awesome. I, I just asked because I think I really like hearing about people's different business structures and how, because a lot of coaches or a lot of, you know, people in business would say, Oh, don't give your time away for free. But I think like, it, it's all about the energy that you're doing it from. Like if that feels abundant to you and it's not like you're not giving your time away out of lack, then by all means. Totally. And my, I mean, my, my practice is full. It's as full as it can be. And I'm, I have a wait list. So 
for me, it's just like, how do I help more people and serve more people? And so, and you know, again, it's, it's like, what's the game that you want to play? If the game that you want to be playing is the money game, then by all means, like don't give your time away for free. Right. But if the game that you want to be playing is like the connection growth and play right. game that I'm playing, <laughs> then, Hey, I got to connect with people. I got to have people to connect with. <laughs> I love, I love that way of thinking about like, what's the game you want to play in your business? Cause I've been really restructuring things for myself. And I sat down and asked myself the question of like, what do I really love to do in terms of like, not money wise, like sure money wise, but like, what are the things I actually love? I love creativity. I love connection. I love producing totally. content. I don't want to be like launching constantly, but I want to always be sharing my thoughts like that. So I just love that way. Like, what are the games you guys want to play in your business? Totally. And then, yeah. Can, you know, in, in the beginning, like you, you do got to, everybody's got to eat, right? So until we like make the money that we need to live the kind of life that we want, well, by all means, figure that out. But then once you do, it's like, okay, once you've got as much money as you want, really, then what do you do with your time, <laughs> right? Like, right. I love that question. If you had all the money in the world and you knew you couldn't fail, how would you spend your life, right? And it's like, most people are like, I would go travel. And it's like, okay, but once you've seen all the countries, <laughs> now what do you do with your time, really? Like, and maybe right. it is wandering for the rest of your life. But for most people, it's like, that is out of, as a response to be feeling trapped. So it's like, once you've vacationed, you know, and been on the beach with mojitos for, you know, six months, <laughs> <laughs> You're like probably going to be ready to do some other things. What are those things? And like, how about we start doing those things now? Isn't it funny how we think we want zero responsibility or zero work when in reality that would get so boring so quickly? <laughs> I know. I just got, I just got back from Iceland for two weeks and I got to tell you one week was awesome. A week and a half in, you know, I missed my clients. I missed my business. <laughs> like I wanted to be back to work. I know it sounds so weird, but no, no, it's the, it's the, purpose when you're truly living in alignment with your own values your own desire this is so much more than about the money right and if exactly. you guys are building a business and it's only about money it's probably not being successful for you or it's not probably going to be sustainable because you might get yourself to the point of making the amount of money and then being like and actually you I had something about that um in the little write up that I had about you about people you know things going well in their business but getting bored Exactly. Yeah. That's actually one of the number one things that I see in my business is people are like, okay, this business is awesome. But like, A, I'm overwhelmed and B, I'm like, my heart's not in it anymore. You know, right. it's like, okay, well, how do we figure out what your heart is in and have you do more of that? Because why else are we living? <laughs> I know. I know. No, I, I've just never, cause I experienced that in my business where it was like, it really took off for me and it was so exciting. And then I got to this point where I was like, okay, and now what, like this isn't, I think when we start biz our businesses, we often see only sort of the first couple of years in our sites and mm -hmm. then we create that. And then it's like, okay, but there's like, you know, three more decades, probably <laughs> maybe more yeah. <laughs> now what? Um, and I've often seen and experienced myself like a rearranging or a reconfiguring of what the business looks like and how it allows you to spend your days and the things that we once thought we wanted to do, we don't anymore. <laughs> Totally. Because we're, you know, we're, we're evolving little snowflakes. Yeah. Especially as entrepreneurs, we like to expand. That's the whole, you know, totally the, the whole reason that we're here. Um, awesome. So I'm going to link all of your stuff down below for our listeners, Ben. Thank you so much. And I often like to ask my guests, uh, I put them on the spot a little bit, just if you could leave our audience with one 
thing today, one permission slip perhaps, or just something that you've been thinking about a lot yourself, what would it be? Hmm. I would say that honestly, there is no secret ingredient. There's no magic bullet there, Mm. you know, pick a destination and keep walking in that direction. And yeah, you'll fall over. Yeah. You'll like, but though it's not that you will fall over and that that's, there's anything wrong with that. It's that falling over is literally part of the process. And every time you fall over, you push yourself back up and that makes you stronger. So just pick a direction, pick a direction based on what is most important to you and what you really love to the best of your ability. It will probably, your understanding of that will evolve, but like pick a direction and walk it. You can do it. Love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for uh, joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you uh, just for sharing your wisdom with us today. I know my audience appreciates it. Yeah, you too. This has been a great conversation, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I, I mean, it's things like this that I all the time, I'm like, I can't believe this is my job. Like I would do this for free. (laughs) Exactly. It's just good to have these conversations with aligned entrepreneurs all over the world. And it's truly the best. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks all for right. doing that for us all. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be possible without people willing to listen and people such as yourself willing to come on the show and talk to a stranger. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or you got value from it, it would mean the world to me if you'd share it on your Instagram stories and give the podcast a five-star review, which helps me to get this message out into the ears and the hearts of those who can benefit from it. And I'll see you guys next episode.